Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show, a football Friday here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. And we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. I appreciate you tuning in to the uh, to the program. And, uh, again, if you're listening on the AM side, the FM side, or if you're tuning in via the live stream, which is found on ESPNTucson.com, I appreciate you checking us out. Or if you're listening to the podcast. I know a lot of people download the podcast and enjoy the listen at their leisure. That's great, too. And, of course, you can find the podcast Anywhere you download your podcast and get the Jeff Dean Show whenever you like. And you can hear me rant and rave about uh, the NCAA making a rule about a little, little, tiny little play that occurred in a, an ACC championship game and may never even happen again. Of course, now it probably won't because there's a rule against it. We're going to talk lots of football. It, 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 hour two is going to be loaded with football. It's probably going to be all football. Uh, here in hour number two, which look, I, I hope you don't mind. I certainly don't. Uh, we're going to start, though, at the high school level because tonight in Tempe at uh, that uh, you know place we won't really mention a whole lot about, uh, but at 8 o'clock, the South Point Lancers, South Point Catholic Lancers, going to be taking on the Horizon Huskies for the 5A state championship tonight. And, look, you know, they – the, the South Point was tested last week. They faced a really tough, really physical team, a team that uh, runs the football extremely well, and they were able to pass that test. And they're going to have to do it again uh, tonight because Horizon, one of the top rushing teams in the division, uh, they uh, they ran for, you know, their, their, their starting tailback, uh, uh, Wes Lambert, had a great year, 20 touchdowns this year for him. Um, and they look they have they have a, a, a nice balanced attack as well their quarterback threw for a ton of yards and like 30 touchdowns and he he's a runner too um uh partridge par- perfect year for the partridge and pear tree um but look they, they, there's uh uh this is going to be a good matchup this is number two versus number one horizon is legit they're a very very good uh very good program real good team they've got um tons of guys with d1 offers specifically on the offensive line, um, and then tight end, uh, who's a name you might recognize, Kloffenstein, Matt uh, Matthew Kloffenstein. He's got offers from a lot of big, uh, a lot of big uh, programs: Michigan, Iowa State, and your Arizona Wildcats. So um, it's going to be a test tonight. This should be a good one. Um, I'm hoping that uh, that South Point comes out the victors. Would like to see them cash in uh, another state title, and this one for the uh, for the five A state title. That's going to be happening tonight in Tempe at 8 p.m. If you want to take the drive up the uh, up the I-10, a little 90-minute drive, or you know, depending on where you live in Tucson, if you're on the east side, a little bit more. But um, head on up into uh, Tempe, bring your uh, bring your bunny suit or you know your disinfectant or whatever you need because you don't want to catch anything that's floating around that campus. But nonetheless, check out the game and uh, see if the uh, the Lancers can cash one in tonight. Bring home that state title it would be uh, pretty awesome to see. So. The the NFL Week 14 going to be kicking off this weekend. The only college football game is the Army Navy game. Always love watching that one. That's going to be in uh, in uh, held in New York 
this year, sometimes in Philadelphia, sometimes in New York, because it goes back and forth. This year, it's uh, Army, who's heavily, well, I don't want to say heavily favored. Uh, I don't even know if there is a line in the game right now, but Army, 8-3 and three on the season. They've had a great year. Navy, not so great. Kenny Niamatololo, uh, Niamatololo uh, had, uh, had some issues with the team this year. They never really got on track, and really for the last two seasons, you know, they opened last year. I think BYU beat them by 60 points in the opener last season in the in the COVID year, whatever. Again, I don't I don't count anything from the COVID year, and nobody else should either. Uh, but Navy having trouble this year. They're three and eight. They've been spanked around by a lot of the, a lot of the teams they played. Uh, their defense just has not been very good. So Army should be a heavy favorite uh, going into this game. They actually got a really good squad. And uh, Army plays, obviously, a very physical style of football. So does Navy. But it's always a great game. Always awesome to see the uh, the young men and women that are going to be serving our country and, uh, and allowing themselves to enjoy an afternoon, usually in the snow, wherever they play. It's always looks, it always looks so cold and miserable every time they play. I've rarely seen one of these Army-Navy games where the weather is nice. Um, I haven't checked the weather, but I'm sure it'll be. Uh, I'm sure it, not miserable, but I'm sure it'll be pretty cold and and uh, maybe even wet out there. So that game, uh, if you're a college fan, obviously a big one and uh, always something you should be checking out because it's just it's 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 a historical game to watch. And there's always you know they always do a great job of the television coverage of the game and featuring certain members of the Navy and the Army and lots of history and stuff. So cool stuff to check out there. Now the NFL Week 14. That kicked off last night. We've spent some time discussing the Steelers and the Vikings and what a crazy game that was. And right now, we're going to get into my Friday Five. Now, normally, my Friday Five is reserved for the five best college games of the weekend because I like college football better. Um, But uh, with no college football going on other than the Army-Navy game, we're going to do some NFL, and we'll do Friday Five in the NFL for the remainder of the regular season. Now, these are my picks against the spread. So in, in my college against the spread, my f- college Friday five, I think I finished the season 28 and 32 against the spread, which is not good. <laughs> okay. We, that's, that's pretty obvious. Not good. Um, started off great, and then things started to kind of fall apart there uh, later in the season. Now, in NFL, I normally just do one lock of the week. I'm seven and two right now in my lock of the week, or seven and three actually. Uh, last week's uh, lock of the week not coming to fruition, but I got a good one this week, and I've got what I think are a good Friday five. So let's do this. Game number one, big divisional rival, big game for both of these teams in the AFC North, especially with the Steelers losing last night. The Baltimore Ravens traveling to Cleveland to take on the Browns. The Browns are a two and a half point favorite in this game. Now the Browns are coming off their bye week, a really late bye week for the uh, for the Cleveland Browns. So they've had lots of time to study film and try to figure out how on earth the Ravens held them to just 40 yards rushing in the game 2 weeks ago in what was one of the ugliest games anyone has ever seen in the game of football. It was horrible. There were the three back to back to back uh, turnovers in the game, and it was just ugly. Lamar Jackson threw four interceptions. It was, it was an outlier. I don't think either of those teams will have a repeat of that performance uh, in the game on Sunday. Now, injury on the injury front, Ravens had a huge loss as they lost Marlon Humphrey, their spectacular cornerback, 
with a uh, torn pectoral muscle. They've lost him for the season. Now, of note for there, even further, is the fact that he becomes their third starter in the secondary, their second corner, and then their third starter in the secondary to be lost for the season for the Baltimore Ravens. So they are really struggling right now with their secondary. The Browns are the healthier team coming into this game. I believe they're the hungrier team coming into this game. Now, if Baker Mayfield has improved at all health-wise because he's got the bad shoulder, the bad ribs, the bad foot, um, and I think he's been hurting his team, based on what they've seen in the bye week and in the practices this week, we'll see you know if he has improved at all health-wise. They're going to have to establish the run, and I think they will establish the run against the Ravens this time around, which is going to allow them to play a little more play-action pass, which is really where Baker Mayfield makes his hay. And without Marlon Humphrey and without two of the other starters in that secondary for Baltimore, they may be ripe for the picking. So I'm going to take the Browns minus the two-and-a-half. I like that. Uh, I like like the under-three spread there. Give me the Browns 26, the Ravens 23. The Browns move to 7-6 and six on the season, dropping the Ravens to 8-5. and five. Game number two, another rivalry battle, this time another big one, featuring two teams that have similar records to the, uh, the previous game that I just mentioned. And this is the Dallas Cowboys heading into Washington to take on the football team team i still it's still weird to me to say just the football team but uh, it's kind of what we're stuck with these days until they come up with a a new mascot but nonetheless uh the the dallas cowboys going to be heading in to take on the washington footballers and in this game the dallas cowboys favored by four and a half going into this matchup against their nfc east rivals now look this is a this is a big game for both of these teams because as you know Washington, winners of four in a row, one of the hotter teams in the NFL, currently at six and six, had a really, really bad start to the season. They, you know, their defense, which was going to be considered one of the top three defenses, I thought it was going to be the number one defense in the in the league this year, really struggled. Then they lose Chase Young, and you're like, oh man, this isn't going to be good. They lose Monte Sweat. Then you're like, man, they really can't do anything good. All they've done since then is play stellar defense. Really, it's been it's been a strange year for Washington. And they've allowed fewer than 100 rushing yards in three of their last four games. Meanwhile, Cowboys have had fewer than 100 rushing yards in two of their last three. The offensive play calling has really been off for them. They've lacked a lot of direction. Now, they've played some pretty good defenses over the last several weeks. So I'll give, I'll give the, other, the other team's defenses some credit here, uh, holding, the, uh, holding the Cowboys down under those 100 yards rushing. But... News out of Dallas is that Tony Pollard, who has a very painful injury, it's a torn plantar fascia, which is, I, I've, I've heard that can be extremely painful. He's going to be a game-time decision. He did not practice on Wednesday, and they did not release practice results from yesterday. So kind of in the dark right now on where the Cowboys are injury-wise. But we do know it's a torn plantar fascia. We do know that's a very painful injury for a running back to sustain, let alone anyone else, and he is apparently going to be a game-time decision. Ezekiel Elliott, still slowed by a lasting knee injury that's been going on for the last seven or eight weeks, and he has looked largely ineffective in several games this year 
as well. Now, those two account for 89% of Dallas's, uh, Dallas's total rushing yards this season. I just think that Dallas is going into Washington at the wrong time. Washington is hot. The defense is playing well. Dallas is has been unable to convert on third and short in quite some time for some reason. They, they, can, they can convert third and eights, but they can't convert third and twos. That's been a problem for them. I love the line here of Washington plus four and a half. So give me the footballers plus four and a half, and I'll take them straight up. Washington 20, Dallas 17. Game number three in my Friday Five, the NFL version of the Friday Five, has the San Francisco 49ers traveling into Ohio to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, the roller coaster that is the Cincinnati Bengals. Up and down and up and down and you know I've praised Joe Burrow for the last two seasons I I just I've I've liked you know I've liked what I've seen out of Joe Burrow I loved what I saw out of him in college a lot of moxie he's a tougher guy than we expect to see out of you know someone built like a wet noodle and he just reminds me a lot of Joe Montana he has the same kind of skill set and tools and I'm not comparing him you know I'm not saying he's the next Joe Montana I'm just saying when you look at you know, his arm strength is kind of like, oh, okay, he's a 55-yard ball. Um, he looks frail but can continue to hang in there. He's a guy that has got those skinny little legs but can still run with the football and surprise you when he gets out of the pocket. I love Joe Burrow's game, and I love his moxie. Last week, dislocates his pinky finger, very ugly-looking injury that he that he sustained, but he stayed in the game and was able to make a little comeback against the Chargers last uh, last week who went into Cincinnati and just blasted uh, the Bengals. Now the 49ers come to town. 49ers are beat up. And, I mean, they, they've been beat up all year. They're, they're fighting despite having the, the, the fourth most starts in the NFL to injury. They've, that team has just been decimated by injury once again. Uh, 49ers fans will be lamenting that for, you know, for the last couple of years. But despite losing the fourth most starts in NFL to injury this year, they are fighting and they're fighting hard, and they're a team that not a whole lot of people want to play because they do play a really physical brand of football. They bring it on both sides of the ball, whether they're running the football with authority on offense or bringing the hammer with that really talented defensive line and a good, hard-hitting second-level set of linebackers. However, we're unsure if Fred Warner is going to play. We know Dre Greenlaw, that linebacker that uh, of the 49ers, he is going to be a game-time decision. Most likely he'll be out. Emmanuel Mosley, he has been ruled out of this game. Their, their last remaining corner from their starting nickel package for the season has been ruled out. You think the Ravens have troubles in the secondary. Try being the 49ers who have lost six players to have started in the secondary this year. Six. Emmanuel Mosley just being the most recent one of them. They're likely to be without Debo Samuel doing his thing and wreaking havoc on opposing defenses. And it sounds like Elijah Mitchell is also going to be a game-time decision, and he's in concussion protocol right now. Needless to say, the 49ers are beat the hell up. The Bengals' roller coaster season continues to go up and down, as I mentioned. Last week was down. That means that this week is going to be up. 49ers are favored by one and a half in this game. I will gladly take that. Give me the Bengals plus one and a half, and the Bengals straight up at home, Cincy 27, San Francisco 24.
The Friday Five rolls on into matchup number four. This one a little bit easier for me to pick. Against the spread was tough because it's a huge line. It has ballooned to double digits now as the Raiders head into Kansas City to take on the suddenly hot and surging Kansas City Chiefs. And the Raiders' offense has been sputtering. My opinion is, you know, and, and I, I said earlier in the week that Derek Carr led the, led the NFL in passing. My apologies to Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the leading passer in the NFL. But the entire season up until last week, Derek Carr has been leading the NFL in passing. But recently, they've really sputtered. They haven't been able to get into the end zone. And in my opinion, they're lacking that consistent leadership that they lost when John Gruden was fired. Things were okay for the you know for a while with the interim coach, but things have fallen apart now. They seem um, I don't want to say rudderless, but they've lost a couple of a couple of guys that are key pieces to their offense, and now they just can't score the football. Meanwhile, KC's defense, whom we watched through the first four four to five weeks of this NFL season, just look absolutely awful, and. We were considering them to be an outside playoff contender because of just how bad their defense was. They have made an incredible turnaround since those first few weeks of the season, and they have been playing just absolutely lights out. And we all know that that offense is always poised to explode with the speed that they have and the likes of Patrick Mahomes pulling the trigger. Now, Mahomes, 12 interceptions on the season, ties his uh, career high for an entire season and obviously still some weeks to go he'll probably end up breaking that however I just I just don't see the Raiders really hanging in this game I think the Chiefs get up early and pour it on I like the Chiefs minus 10 that's the line right now there's no hook there uh, the Chiefs minus 10 so look for a possible push but I like the Chiefs 34 to the Raiders 19 now I have one other game and I'm going to take a timeout because I I honestly need more time to think about it. I've been thinking about it since yesterday. Where am I going to go with this big matchup in the NFL? We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. The Miranda Police Officers Association is holding their Stuff the Cop Car Toy Drive tomorrow from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's going to be taking place at the Walmart on uh, Cortero, just west of I-10. They're going to be collecting clothes, shoes, and toys for all ages. They will also be accepting cash donations. So you can just walk right into the Walmart, make your purchase for some youngster, in the uh, whether it's in the uh, city of Miranda or the city of Tucson, and just bring it right out, Stuff the Cop Car, and help this uh, this very very wonderful cause, very noble cause, and it's going to benefit the Arizona Children's Association to help the kids of Miranda and Tucson have a very Merry Christmas. All right. The Friday Five brings me to my fifth game, and I have been trying to decide this game not just because of the two teams that are playing and the nature of everything that's going on with these two teams and just based on eye test and what I've seen from these guys over the last several weeks, but it's also got to do a lot with the line that Vegas has put on this game. We're talking about the Buffalo Bills heading down to South Florida to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, the Buccaneers are currently a three-point favorite in this game. They're 9-3 and three on the season, going up against the Bills, who are 7-5, who had an 
I don't want to say it's, it was an embarrassing loss because I don't think it was, even though one member of the media tried to stoke the fire of uh, of a couple of Bills defensive players during their press conference by calling, basically asking them if they were embarrassed to be uh, members of that defense, which is a stupid question, by the way. Um, look, it was it was a crazy you know weather game and. New England is a very good football team. They won the game 14-10. to 10. The season's not over for the Buffalo Bills. They're going to be traveling down to Tampa where now it's not going to be cold and blustery and snowing. However, it is supposed to be wet, windy type of rainy weather there in Tampa. And Tampa's aerial assault could I, I maybe take a step back a little bit. Tom Brady, as I mentioned, leads the league in passing yards, 3,771 yards. He's thrown 34, 34 touchdowns on the season, and they're going to be going up against the top-ranked passing defense in the NFL, which is the Buffalo Bills. They've allowed fewer than 2,000 passing yards this season, which is tremendous. Now, the Bills, despite the loss of their all-pro corner, Tredavious White, uh, have still continued to to you know play good passing defense. However, we've only seen them without him for the last two games, and one of them was in a game where the opposing quarterback attempted three passes. So this is going to be a huge test for the Buffalo Bills. After the game on Sunday, this past Sunday, Sean McDermott was visibly annoyed with the media, as were a lot of the players. He was annoyed with Bill Belichick and the Patriots. He was annoyed with his offensive coordinator. And this team just kind of seems to be annoyed with one another right now. This is something that happens when you have lofty expectations heaped upon you and you underperform not only in your own eyes, in your own mind, but in the mind of basically everybody else. There's not a single person, uh, I think, that, that covers sports or that watches sports that think of the Bills have performed up to expectations this year. And they haven't. I mean, they they should be better than their 7-5 and five record shows. They've played some real stinkers of games. And offensively, Josh Allen, who was supposed to have a huge year, he was my preseason pick for the league MVP, has just not really rounded into the, the explosive player that we have expected him to be. Now, honestly, I don't know where to go with this. Like, I've been thinking about this for two days, where I'm going to go with the Bills-Buccaneers game. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put my faith in a trusty, uh, what is this, a 1995 U.S. quarter that is going to tell me whether I'm going to take the Bills plus three or the Buccaneers minus three. Here we go. Let's see. Give me the Bills plus three. There we go. (laughs) That's the pick. The Bills plus three. Uh, let me give you a score. Let's go with. Um, uh, let's go with. I, I, am I going to take another underdog straight up though? Now see, now I've got another conundrum, because I took Washington straight up as an underdog. I took Cincy straight up as an underdog. I mean, if the Bills are going to cover, they might as well win, right? Let's go Buffalo twenty-eight, Tampa twenty-seven. There you go, Buffalo twenty. Let me write this down so I have it on record. Buff 28, Tampa 27. There's my pick. Take the Bills plus three. Now, we'll watch that blow up in my face. Uh, Now we move to the lock of the week. I got a good one here. I I say that every week, but that's why I call it my lock of the week. Currently on the season, I'm 7-3 against the spread 
obviously missed a few weeks because I was dying in bed with COVID. Uh, so I'm back now, feeling great, and I've got another lock of the week and ready to bounce back from a loss from last week's lock of the week, which, look, nobody nobody saw the Lions beating the Vikings, and I should have known better that the Vikings were going to try to do their best to lose that football game. This week, however, I think I got a, a, a just a, a smoking hot take for this lock of the week. The Titans are going to be hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Tennessee Titans, another team that has been just absolutely wrought with injury this season, are eight-and-a-half-point favorites heading into this particular game. Now, Jacksonville, of course, has had their problems this year, and those problems will continue as their Josh Allen, their Pro Bowl caliber player, defensive pass rush specialist, and, and really, I mean, he, the guy plays everywhere. He's 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 spectacular. He's, he's a, a fantastic football player, really, really good defender. Uh, he plays in the backfield, plays in coverage. He's good. Um, he's not going to play in this game. He's out. He's hurt. And that's going to hurt the Jaguars' front-line defense. And I know that Tennessee is really struggling offensively. They don't have a whole lot of players. But here's a little snippet for you that might help you. You know, you know me. I love trends. The last time Jacksonville won a game in Tennessee was November of 2013. Give me the Titans, minus 8.5, Tennessee 27, Jacksonville 13, my NFL lock of the week. So there you go. My Friday five, they are Browns minus 2.5, Washington plus 4.5, Cincinnati plus 1.5, the Chiefs minus 10, and the Bills plus 3, and then my lock of the week, Tennessee to slam the Jaguars minus 8.5. There you go. Mark it down. Get on your FanDuel Sportsbook accounts. Lock them in there. Just, I mean, take my word for it. <laughs> this is going to happen. I've already placed my. I can't. I haven't placed my bets yet because I was waiting to see what I was gonna what I was gonna do with the Bills and Buccaneers game. But that'll be happening immediately after the show. Speaking of that, the NFL regular season is heading into the final month of the year, and we've got a big Week 14 matchup, which I've already previously mentioned between the Browns and the Ravens. And FanDuel Sportsbook is about to make that even bigger because they're going to give new customers 30-to-1 odds on either team, to meet, either team to win, which means you can place a $5 bet and win $150. It's just that simple. Just for picking one of two teams to win that game. Now, the last time these two teams played, I mentioned, was an ugly game, which the Ravens won 16-10, to but I think this one's going to be a lot more exciting. I'm looking at Lamar Jackson over passing yards. Nick Chubb, anytime touchdown, and an over total points for my SGP. And I may add that fourth leg to the SGP and go ahead and uh, put my money where my mouth is and take the Browns minus two and a half uh, on, the, uh, on the spread line there as well. Now, FanDuel's uh, sportsbook is sports betting made simple. They're hooking people up with special offers. I get offers from them every single day, and you will too. Uh, it's easy to use. The app is super, super simple. There are plenty of ways to make sure that your transactions are safe and secure. And speaking of transactions, when you win, you get paid real quick in as few as just two hours. And if you're already a FanDuel Sportsbook user, great, because they're hooking you up with that $50 refer-a-friend program right now where when you refer a friend that signs up with FanDuel Sportsbook, they get 50 bucks to uh, spend and you get 50 bucks to spend. 
Don't take my word for it, though. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Just sign up with my promo code today. My promo code is DEAN, uh, and you could win $150 on that $5 bet. But remember to use my promo code DEAN so that they know that I sent you exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over and present in Arizona. Refund is issued as non-withdrawable site credit. Expires in seven days. Max refund is $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. The same game parlay is available for multiple sports in all states and mobile and web. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. More after this. It's the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on this Football Friday. Grab some picks there for you. Have fun with the FanDuel Sportsbook app this weekend in uh, betting your NFL games if you uh, if you so choose. You can follow my lead or you can go opposite. Recently, that's been the way to go. Uh, the uh, Go the opposite route with my picks. But, uh, you know, I stick to mine and see if I can cash in some, some tickets on uh, on Sunday. I'll be looking forward to uh, watching some football on Sunday. I'm actually... You know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sad that there's no college football on Saturday other than the Army-Navy game, but I'm also kind of like, oh, yeah, I get a Saturday off. I don't have to, like, glue myself to a television with my notebook and na- making notes and wearing out the back-and-forth buttons on my, uh, on my remote control or setting up a second television like I do sometimes where there's really big games going on. So it was Saturday without that. Maybe get out and see some friends or something. I don't know. My friends even recognize me anymore. Uh, so l- looking ahead at the 2022 season, it's never too early to look ahead. The, the playoffs are right around the corner. We know who the we know who the n- pretenders are. We, we, we know the teams that are going to be that are on the outside looking in of the playoffs this year and maybe looking to move quarterbacks and uh, teams that are going to need a quarterback next year. So let's take a look at some teams that need quarterbacks for the 2022 season and where they could potentially go. The Pittsburgh Steelers, who were, of course, you know, on display last night, it's been hinted that Ben Roethlisberger will be retiring at the end of the season. Uh, I think it's, 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 it's time. You know, I, I know that he had some, uh, a little, you know, a little spark in the game last night in the second half, but let's call it like it is. He just hasn't been very good this year, wasn't good last year, and the team needs to needs to go through a change at quarterback. Now, Pittsburgh is that franchise that they just don't rebuild. They haven't had Pittsburgh hasn't had a rebuild in decades. And they're not going to be rebuilding with some rookie quarterback, certainly not a rookie quarterback from this class uh, unless they really like something about Kenny Pickett and want to bring a guy home. However, I have been told that the Pittsburgh organization doesn't like to draft locally because of the uh, the community aspect of the city of Pittsburgh and just how tight knit they really are, it's, it's a it's a very tight knit community there uh, with the the blue collar community, and they don't like putting players under that kind of pressure coming from the Pittsburgh area and that kind of stuff. So they most likely would not go with a Kenny Pickett; they would figure something else out. Again, I don't think they're going to be drafting a quarterback, and if they do, they're going to be drafting somebody who's going to be a backup. Here's my recommendation. Matt Ryan. 
Matt Ryan currently with the Atlanta Falcons. His cap hit next year is like $45 million. So he either is going to need to restructure that contract to stay with Atlanta or they're going to have to release him unless they want to pay him 40, you know, you know, pay him his salary next year, but have that huge cap hit and deferred, uh, deferred cap hit, uh, payment. So if they do release him, and I think that's probably likely the case, then I think the perfect landing spot for him would be Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, who is kind of reconstructing their offensive line. And I do think that Matt Ryan at age 36 would be an upgrade over Ben Roethlisberger for that team for the next two years. They could sign him to a two-year deal while they work out what they're going to do with the quarterback situation there uh, moving forward. But, again, you're not going to see Pittsburgh drafting a quarterback and throwing some rookie out there. It's just not going to happen. That's not what the Pittsburgh Steelers do. So I think Matt Ryan would be would be an excellent choice for them. I know he lacks mobility, and that's kind of like the big bugaboo uh, you know, on Matt Ryan. It has been for his entire career. He's just not athletic uh, as far as moving with his feet and his legs. But he does give them an upgrade throwing the football from the pocket, and I think it'd be a nice fit for uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, another team that's going to be looking in the offseason is the Carolina Panthers, and you kind of have to wonder what they're going to be doing. You know, they, they fired Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, and, and, you know, has been working with the passing game. I don't know what they expected. You, you know, you, you have you have – Sam Darnold already, and we, you know, you all know my thoughts on Sam Darnold, my opinions on him. I call him the stormtrooper because he could never hit what he's aiming at. Um, uh, what, what did you expect? A, a, a career fifty-six percent completion percentage guy to be all of a sudden a sixty-six percentage completion percentage guy, and then you bring in Cam Newton, who, despite winning an MVP, is one of the most inaccurate passers the NFL has seen in the last twenty years. I I just don't know what they expected out of Joe Brady. So they're going to be looking for a new quarterback, certainly going to be looking for a new quarterback. Who could it be? Do the New Orleans Saints give up on Jameis Winston? And, you know, Carolina bring in Jameis Winston. Uh, you, you know, where where is – I mean, well, first of all, where is Sam Darnold going to go? Basically anywhere but Carolina. They're probably going to trade him – uh, in the offseason, maybe you know on draft day they you know they could possibly trade him. Maybe Carolina decides to go into the draft to to look for their quarterback. I think that they've got a shot at maybe going after a guy like uh, you know a Matt Ryan as well, but maybe like a Tyrod Taylor. Or if Detroit moves off of Jared Goff, I think that Matt Rule would absolutely jump uh, at the opportunity to bring in. Uh, to bring in Jared Goff for that offense, and and uh, you know I think that 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 would be you know an in- interesting spot for uh, for Goff who would be playing in that uh, in that system, which is very quarterback friendly. It really is. So that's a team that is definitely looking for a quarterback, in my opinion, in 2022. Uh, I don't think they'll have any of their quarterbacks except maybe uh, you know maybe uh, maybe PJ is there uh, for next season as a backup as well, but uh, who knows. The Denver Broncos, I think, will be looking for a new quarterback next year. I think the the Teddy Bridgewater um, experiment, and not I don't want to say experiment. He, he, I mean, he beat out Drew Locke fair and square for that gig. But I, I think that both of them may be gone in the offseason. Teddy Bridgewater, this is his last year under contract, so he's going to be hitting free agency uh, this offseason anyways. And I still think that Denver 
is gunning for that opportunity to make a trade with Green Bay to bring in Aaron Rodgers. That's the kind of those are the kinds of of moves that the Denver Broncos do. You know, they're they're a big big splash. You know, bring in that huge name at quarterback nearing the end of their career. And I don't want to say that they've done it year after year after year because just the you know the one experiment with you know, the one time with Peyton Manning doesn't necessarily consider that a uh, a trend. However, I think they liked it and they saw the success that it brought them. And why not go back to the well once again? So it could be a situation where. Aaron Rodgers, at this point in this season, based on what we've seen and the performance there and how, I don't know, happy-go-zen-lucky Aaron Rodgers has been with his team and his teammates and his coaches, I don't know if Green Bay pulls the trigger on that trade anymore. Like, before the season, my prediction was, you know, way before the season was, Aaron Rodgers will play for the Packers in 2021, and it will be his last season as a Green Bay Packer. I'm not so sure about that anymore. I think they end up finding a way to bring him back because would you really trade away the best thrower of the football in the NFL? I mean, he is. So Denver is going to be looking for uh, a play like that. Now, here's another name if they don't get Aaron Rodgers, and I don't think that they will. Here's another name that could be very interesting. And – it's it's a guy who has fallen completely out of favor in the city, in the team that he's currently in, and I'm talking about Russell Wilson. Now, Jay Glazer, who is about the only guy that I will absolutely explicitly trust when it comes to news, inside information, rumor confirmation, things like that coming out of the world of the NFL, because Jay, is, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he is the most dialed-in guy in the world when it comes to media and talking with the NFL. Now, according to Jay, the Packers have already agreed to trade Rodgers this season, this uh, this offseason, if he wants out. But he's also under the belief that Russell Wilson absolutely wants out of Seattle and is going to force a trade in the offseason. Quote from Glazer, right now everything's great, but in the offseason – uh, I see Russell. Can I see Russell doing this again? A million percent. I see Russell trying to do this again, talking about trying to force a trade. So I think that Russell Wilson could potentially be the new quarterback in Denver next year, which would obviously be an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater uh, and makes Denver a very, very interesting prospect for next year in the AFC West. So that's just a few of the teams, and I mean the teams that matter. The New York Giants, I know that they it's New York and all this other stuff. The team has not been good for a long time. They have had all kinds of troubles. I don't think they have the right coach in place. I don't think they have the right general manager in place. And they certainly, in my opinion, do not have the right quarterback in place. I, I just I, – the, the whole – Daniel Jones thing I think is is over and done with, and I know I'm saying this as the Giants are in Tucson, uh, you know, working out. But uh, I just I just don't. I, they need to figure something out. They've got to they got to blow that thing up because it's not working. They got to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback and and at other positions moving forward because you can't continue to be the you know a, a team that is competing for third and fourth place in the NFC East every single year if you're the New York Giants. You just can't. 
So there's a look at some of uh, maybe potential quarterback movement this offseason. Also, you know, you never know what's going to happen with the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo. Are they ready to play Trey Lance next season? Jimmy Garoppolo's due $24 million cap hit next year if they cut him. It's only like a million and a half of dead cap space. So we're going to find out real quickly, immediately following the offseason, uh, whether or not the uh, the 49ers are going to move forward with Jimmy Garoppolo. Because if they cut him, it's $1.5 million, no big deal. If they keep him, it's $24 million. And you know about the – you would know then really what the progress of Trey Lance was during his, uh, his rookie season in the NFL. All right. That brings us to the final break of today's show. We're going to take a timeout, and when I return, I'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Those of you wondering, I have not forgotten about the Wildcats taking on the Illini tomorrow in Champaign. Just didn't have a whole lot of time to break down the game. And honestly, look, the more I dive into this matchup, the more I realize that this is not a good matchup for Illinois. Like, they, this is, this is a nightmare matchup. The way that Arizona has been playing, this is a nightmare matchup for Illinois. The only, you know, the only thing that they've got really going for them is, is that they're playing at home and that Arizona has to come all the way across the country, halfway across the country, to play a basketball game against them. Illinois is one of the worst teams in the country in turnover margin. They turn over the ball. They turn the ball over at at a ridiculous rate, and they're unable to secure their own turnovers. That's bad news for an aggressive Arizona defense who has been able to turn over teams and win the turnover battle in seven of the eight games they've played so far this year. Now, Illinois, once again, a very good rebounding team. Their rebounding margin is fifth in the country. We, you know, we can, we, we can attest to that. We, we know that they're going to be a good rebounding team, especially with Kofi there anchoring the, uh, the middle. However, I don't, they've out-rebounded a lot of smaller teams. Some of the better competitions that they've played, that rebounding margin has really decreased. Also, they're 121st in the country in scoring defense. That's bad news because Arizona comes in, of course, the number one team in the country in offense. So this is really kind of a a Arizona's strength going against a not such a strength for for Illinois. Illinois has been a good scoring team. They're averaging 78 points a game this year. But again, once the competition has kind of raised itself. They've fallen back. Now, I'm not going to be that person that plays the triangle game and say, oh, look, Illinois barely beat Iowa last week, and then Iowa just got smashed by Iowa State for the biggest margin in that rivalry's history last night. I don't believe in that kind of stuff. Basketball is all about matchups and execution, and day-to-day, week-to-week, those things can can change drastically, and a team that would win normally has lost the game and such and such. I look at things that are trending. I, uh, Illinois is not a good shooting team. They struggle at the free throw line. They struggle from shooting beyond the arc. And if they want to beat Arizona, you have to match them offensively. Almost 92 points a game this year. And I don't see that happening. This is a, a lopsided matchup. And I think that Arizona has a really good shot at coming out of there with a victory and even a decisive victory. 
coming back home and getting their first Quadrant 1 victory of the season, which is obviously very important when it comes down to seeding time. All right. Well, we can enjoy that tomorrow. And then we will talk about that, of course, on Monday's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in studio for keeping me on the air, keeping me on task, trying her best at least. And, of course, thanks to you guys for tuning in today. And we'll see you guys again on Monday. Hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe. Stay healthy out there. Please be kind to one another. And we'll see you again on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson on Monday's edition of the Jeff Dean Show at 7 a.m.